We read together in God's Word as we turn to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 6, we're beginning to read at verse number 37, a portion of what is known as the Sermon on the Plain. Matthew's Gospel, we have recorded the Sermon on the Mount on a different occasion, and here is Jesus preaching. Uh, it says, on a level place, come to be known as the Sermon on the Plain. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them, this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Some preaching can be very discouraging. Perhaps we don't experience that here, but it is true nonetheless. Sometimes you sit through sermons and at the end of them you go away weighed down, discouraged. Because often the message seems to be, try harder, do more. Maybe people are being challenged. Are you doing enough? Are you reading your Bible enough? Are you praying enough? And you look at your life and the answer usually has to be no. And so if the message is try harder, do more, make a greater effort in the Christian life, you may find sometimes that it seems to be making very little difference to your life. That for all the exhortation, in fact, there is little in the way of change, little or no spiritual progress that you're aware of. Perhaps you find yourself still defeated by temptation, still showing very little of the character of Christ. 
And perhaps if you're trying to exist in that kind of diet of try harder and do more, you may end up finding that you're struggling more than you're helped. Now, as the Lord Jesus Christ continues the Sermon on the Plain here in Luke 6, the passage we're looking at today, he shows us that that whole approach, the the try-harder-do-more exhortations, are really beginning in the wrong place. And it's not particularly surprising if the end result is not growth in the Christian life. And we need to understand why that is the case. So now today we turn in Luke 6 to consider verses 43 to 45. Being and doing. Being and doing. Those really the issues that Jesus is focusing on in these verses. Being and doing. I want to think first as we consider uh, this portion what I've called the root. The root, because Jesus is very much using the language of trees and fruit bearing and so forth. We need to begin with the root. We've talked about the approach to preaching and teaching uh, that really above all is saying do more, try harder. Now Why is there a problem with telling Christian folk to do more and try harder? What's wrong with that message? It isn't entirely wrong, of course. Uh, There are many texts uh, in Scripture that exhort God's people to make a wholehearted, committed effort to godly living. Exhorted in Hebrews, pursue holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. And there are many other verses like that uh, that we could mention. So certainly in Scripture we find commands, exhortations to put our best effort into the Christian life. That it is not something uh, to be taken casually. As if it were an easy sail through tranquil seas. No, there is a place for exhorting the Lord's people to try harder and to do more. And you know that if you listen to the word week by week here, I trust. So what's the problem? The problem is that this is not the first thing that people need to be told. This is not the right starting point to begin in teaching the Lord's people with telling them to do more and try harder is to begin in the wrong place. And if we begin in the wrong place, we are going to go wrong. And it isn't then tremendously surprising The result isn't the kind of spiritual growth and progress that we long to see and that we know God's people are supposed to show. Think of Jesus' illustration here in these verses. He talks about a tree and about fruit. 
And you see, calls to greater effort in living the Christian life is dealing with the issue of bad fruit and good fruit. It's the fruit that's the focus when we're exhorting people to do more. It's what is outward, what is visible, the lives that people are living. We might say it is dealing primarily with the externals. That's the fruit, and that's the focus of exhortations to try harder. It's dealing with the externals, what is visible, what others can see and evaluate. But if there is to be real change, if we are to change and grow spiritually, we've got to begin not with the fruit we bear, but really with the root, with the nature of the tree itself, with the kind of tree uh, that you and I are. That's where we need to start. If you deal with the the fruit, it's it's too far along the way. You've got to start with the nature of the tree. Is it a good tree? Is it a bad tree? Because that is the reason why each tree bears the kind of fruit that it does. It's the nature of the tree. It's, if you like, it's the root of that decides what kind of fruit will be produced. So rather than starting off with the externals, with the fruit, with actions, with life that others can see, we've got to begin with the internal, with the kind of tree, good or bad, that you are. What sort of root is in the ground? What kind of tree are we dealing with? First, the internal. Because that is what decides the kind of fruit that the tree will produce. It's a matter of starting in the right place. And it is the nature of the tree that's crucial. And the Lord demonstrates that very clearly to us. That is the fundamental issue. What kind of tree is this? And then we'll see what sort of fruit it will produce. But it's the root that's determinative. Jesus says in verse 44, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars simply not possible. And of course, we know that. Even with my level of horticultural ignorance, I know that. That you will not gather figs from a thorn bush. You'll not gather grapes from briars. It simply won't happen. It's not possible. And no matter how hard a briar tries it cannot produce grapes. If a briar could think and it said to itself, I'm fed up with the way things are. I want to bear grapes because people really love them. 
doesn't matter how hard it would try, it can't do it. It hasn't got that nature, it has not got that root. And all it can be is a briar. Now that is obvious in horticultural terms. But of course, Jesus is not teaching a lesson about gardening or growing crops. It is a spiritual lesson. It is a lesson about people. And so he speaks in verse 45 of the good man and the evil man. Do you see what the Savior is doing? He's telling us that what we do flows from who we are. That really is the principle we want to grasp in these verses. What we do flows from who we are. That is what is fundamental. To tell people to do more is dealing with the outward. But who we are is the internal, the nature we have, the root of the tree. A fundamental issue is the nature that we possess. That's what we've got to look at. That's what we have got to consider. If you're thinking of spiritual growth and progress in Christian living, what sort of tree are we dealing with? That's where we must begin. And Jesus sums it up in the language of the heart in verse 45. The good man, he says, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And heart in Bible language is tremendously important. It is not simply the blood pump, but the heart, as we think of spiritual things, is the very center of a person's being. And the same goes for the evil man as well. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And so that is the level at which we've got to begin. It's the nature of the person. What is the heart that the person has? A good man is not good because he does good things. But a good man does good things because he is good. And that really sums up what Jesus is telling us. It takes us back to start in the right place. A good man is not good because he does good things. That's salvation by works. But a good man does good things because he is good. Scripture makes it very clear to us that the Lord is concerned, first of all, with who we are. And then, secondly, with what we do. First, who we are. Getting underneath the externals. Because you could conceivably hang fruit on another kind of tree that might fool people for a while until the fruit rotted. You could hang pears in an apple tree, something like that. But of course, ultimately, it's a deception. And it won't fool people in the long term. 
a heart that matters, first of all, to the Lord. And the heart and Bible language is the very core of who you are, of your identity. It sums up your spiritual condition. Your thinking, your feeling, uh, your actions, your, your motivations, everything about you is summed up as the heart. And what your heart is, that is who you are. So in Bible language, when you read about a person's heart, that's what we need to be thinking about, the very center of their being. What your heart is, that is who you are. You see, as Jesus tells us, there are two possible hearts, ultimately. There's the good man, good by God's grace. This is the the regenerate person, the saved person. Somebody who has been brought out of their sin and into the family of God. Somebody who's being remade in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who's in fellowship with the triune God. This is a person who is a true Christian, who is saved. The good man. The fruit of God's grace saving him. Then on the other hand, Jesus speaks of the evil man. And this is the one who remains in his fallen state, untouched by the grace of God. This is the sinner still under the wrath of God, still facing judgment. And notice, as Jesus tells us and the rest of Scripture testifies, there are really only two hearts. There is the regenerate heart that's experienced the saving grace of God. And there is the evil heart, still in sin, still alienated from God. Two hearts, two kinds of people, two trees, good trees and bad trees. Give that reflected, for example, in Psalm 1 that we often sing. And there, do you notice there are only two ways to live? Either devoted to the Lord or, or devoted to self. And so here, the root. That's where we've got to start then. What kind of tree are we dealing with? Good tree or a bad tree? What is its nature? And that will tell us exactly what we are dealing with. That's where we must start. Uh, And that's where the do more, try harder kind of message, if that's all that people hear, that's where it falls down. Because it isn't starting with the root. It's not starting with who you are. And that's God's chief concern. The question, what is your heart today? Is it a heart that belongs to the Lord? Or a heart that still is in sin? The root. But that isn't all that Jesus speaks about here, of course. Indeed, the Lord's first concern is with who we are. It is with the heart. It is with what kind of tree uh, we are dealing with. The issue of the heart that we've just been speaking about. But the Lord is also concerned with what we do. First, who we are, but then inevitably, what we do, how we live, 
not just the the nature of the tree, good or bad, but also the issue of fruit, good fruit and bad fruit. And that's what the Lord then turns to consider. The fruit, of course, as we have been saying, that a person bears is the result of the nature he's got. We'll produce the fruit that reflects the kind of people we are, the kind of heart that we have got. So Jesus tells us, verse 45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. There's a fundamental consistency, Jesus is saying, between the root and the fruit. They do not contradict a harmony between the heart and the behavior. To explain good fruit, we must look at the tree. And good fruit will be produced by a good tree. So what kind of fruit would we expect from a good tree? What is the good fruit that Jesus speaks about here? Well, surely our minds will very quickly uh, turn to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, we've looked at that in some detail in evening worship recently. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. Again, a reminder of the things that Jesus lists. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's some, that's not all, it's not exhaustive, but there's some of the fruit that a good tree will produce. And you remember, as we stressed in those studies, uh, we're reading there about the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit reflects Jesus. It's the result of his grace and his power in our lives. A life lived from a renewed heart that produces the character of the Savior that's being shaped by his word as the Holy Spirit applies it to us day by day. And so the fruit grows and the tree flourishes, and every aspect of life is touched. Every aspect of life, our actions certainly, but our thinking, our feeling, our words, everything about us is embraced. We saw something of that too in our singing from Psalm 15, and again, it's comprehensive. It's a whole life that's being shaped. It's fruit that's coming from a good root a regenerate heart. The whole person is producing that fruit and how much of it that we see reading through the list is beginning in our thoughts and our minds. And of course, in contrast from an evil tree, from an evil man still in sin, what would we expect? And again, Galatians 5 that tells us the acts of the flesh. And you have them there in Galatians 5, uh, 19, 20, 21. And again, a list of them, impurity, immorality, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and so forth. 
very opposite of the character of Christ. And that's what the man or woman still in sin will produce. That's the kind of fruit to be expected. And again, all of life is touched by sin. It's an infection that feeds into all that you are. Nothing in that life is as God requires it to be. Good tree, bad tree. Good man, an evil man. Saved man and a lost man. That's the contrast that Jesus draws. It's interesting how often our words reveal the reality of our heart. You notice that Jesus here particularly says, out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks, verse 45. Why should, why should that be? Well, isn't it the fact that the tongue is powerful and it will show the reality of the heart? As James reminds us, of course, it's particularly difficult to control the speech, the tongue, that will reveal often what is in the heart. When other things may be deceptive, the tongue will show the reality. Now, of course, we know, and we have to admit, we are inconsistent in our conduct. We are saved by grace. We know that we do not always produce good fruit, do we? There are inconsistencies. And we do sin. And we do produce sometimes evil fruit. We are not yet perfected, not on this side of heaven. And on the other hand, of course, the people who are not saved are not as bad as they could be. And sometimes Christians are put to shame, aren't they, by the way in which non-Christians behave. There are inconsistencies, but they do not last. And ultimately, as we think particularly of the accounting of the final judgment, there will be no final contradiction between the root and the fruit. The Christian, the inconsistencies will be forgiven and covered by the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord, that's true. And there will be good fruit. And ultimately, as we stand before the Lord, only the good fruit will remain. And the Lord will be glorified. The unsaved for a time can be deceptive. There are people, aren't there? But whom you're never totally sure, is this a Christian or not? And there are people like that. And sometimes, even as a pastor, you're not sure. And you wonder. Things you see maybe suggest they're Christians and other things suggest they're not. And you don't know, but thankfully it's the Lord who makes that call. But ultimately there will be no final contradiction between the root and the fruit. They will be in harmony. We finally stand in the Lord's presence. Who we are is a fundamental concern to God. What we do flowing from that also of concern to the Lord. And so it leads us to think finally of the examination. We thought of the root and the fruit. But a word about the examination. 
Uh, The NIV misses a word at the beginning of verse 43. It might look in the face of it as if Jesus is turning from specks and planks to a completely different subject. And of course, if the NIV and others put in a heading there, you think it is a completely different subject. But it doesn't. There is a four at the beginning of verse 43. So Jesus says, essentially, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, for no good tree bears bad fruit. He goes straight on to discuss the fruit and the trees. In other words, there is a connection, there is a link between what he says about the tree and the fruit and what he has just said about planks and specks. The Lord is calling us to examine ourselves and to see what kind of tree we are and what sort of fruit we are bearing and to see are there planks in our eyes that obscure our spiritual vision. Remember we said last week, the call is to make sure of what is and isn't in our own eye. Not to be obsessed with what we can spot in others. And so the examination is needed. What kind of tree are you? What sort of fruit are you bearing? Now, it doesn't mean a poking around constantly in our souls. There are people, maybe temperamentally and for other reasons, who seem to do that and keep looking into dark corners and are obsessed with finding their failures. I'm not saying we'd be casual about failure, but it's well summed up by commentator I quoted last week, Dale Rolf Davis. I don't often quote, as you know, but sometimes a writer gets it just right. And Davis says here about Jesus, he's not telling you to engage in some morbid, groveling introspection but to assess your own fruit and to ask what that says about the condition of your own heart. And that's right. There is a healthy examining yourself and saying, how am I doing? How am I getting on in the Christian life? Am I growing? Is there more fruit now than there was a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Is there progress Not that we become obsessed with looking in, because if you do that, all you will see is failure. And that's unhealthy. But the problem then is you never look in and you never weigh up how you're doing as a Christian in the light of Scripture. And that's what the Lord is calling us to do. Do you notice he talks in verse 45 about the good that's stored up in the good man's heart, stored up And that's what we need to be doing above all, is storing our hearts with the truth of God's word. What I trust we are doing here now. And every time we come together, and as you read your Bible for yourself day by day, I trust that you're storing up good things in your heart that shape how you think, how you live, what you say. Store it up. If you don't store it up, in a real sense, spiritually, one day you'll find the cupboard is bare. And in 
a trial, a hard time, a challenge, whatever it might be, you'll find you have nothing there. You didn't store up. There are no reserves there. And that's what we need to be doing. It's a lifelong enterprise. We never reach a point as Christians where we say, right, learned all I need to learn. I know all I need to know. I can coast from here on. Lord always has more to teach us. He usually has a lot to remind us of that we've forgotten. It's a lifelong enterprise. But if we store our hearts with good, with the word of God, then we will have reserves that will feed godly Christian living. And if we are not living a godly life, one of the questions we need to be asking is, am I storing up my heart with God's word? Or am I neglecting it? Could I go for days or weeks or longer without really getting into God's word? And the cupboard is getting bare. And under pressure and in the face of trials, you may find there's a lack there that you will regret bitterly. Good trees and bad trees. Good fruit and bad fruit. And yet it might be today as you're sitting here, you have to be honest and say, look, I haven't been saved. I don't have that new heart that you've been talking about. In my heart of hearts, I know I'm not a Christian. And the good news of the gospel is that bad trees can become good trees. Praise God that is the case. If you are a bad tree today, you're not condemned to carry on like that. In the Lord Jesus Christ, there is saving power. There is grace that can change you. You can't change trees. You can't make briars into grapevines, but God can make bad trees into good trees. God can save sinners, whatever your sins may be. There is power and there's grace in the Lord that can change you. You are not condemned to be a bad tree. There is transformation possible in Christ. And if you should realize that today and realize that you're still a bad tree, come to the Lord, ask him to change you, to forgive your sin, to give you a new heart and bring you to salvation. What kind of tree are you? What kind of heart do you have? What kind of fruit are you bearing? May the Lord enable us to produce fruit in keeping with the trees we are for his glory.